Hello, and welcome to Arms of the Tide. I'm Quinn Welsh Wilson, Game Master. I apologize for the extended delay in the release of episodes, but it looks like we're finally back and in the swing of things and should be meeting a fairly regular weekly release schedule, as was our intent. I really hope that the wait was worth it. Speaking of the wait, I think it would be my preference not to make you all wait any longer. So, let's get the show on the road. Last time on Arms of the Tide. While Local squared off against the unit named Slayer, and Lions entertained Cheney for an evening, Cleo squared off against Imena Turan and Anatoly Favali in a bid to rescue her friend Sasha from the clutches of advanced placements and car technologics. While her friend was saved by the operation, in the end, Cleo was struck down by Anatoly Favali leaving only a recording of the incident, which now found itself flashing on the communication devices of her dearest friends. Local, you stand victorious over the unit named Slayer. How were you able to overcome their advances? In a battle that was hard fought, but fairly quick, all things considered, Local eventually was able to tear part of the unit unnamed metal pieces that normally go around whatever robot that it is inhabiting. And with that open space to the actual person beneath that started a contest of wills basically trying to force out this separate controlling consciousness and while victorious the other robot is now slumped down on the ground not quite dead but almost to the point where they would be completely incapable of doing anything for a long time local still has not gained mastery over his ability to talk to the source. But he stands with this piece of metal in one hand and just looking down at the robot and takes a minute and then realizes that he has just had a huge fight in a public place and tries to get out of there. Where do you attempt to escape to? In the area, there are certain safe houses that the arms have set up. So... He'll head over to one of those, and it isn't until he gets there and actually, you know, makes sure that no one was following him and that he's safe that he'll notice the messages that he has received that he had not seen until this point. Mm -hmm. The series of messages from Luke begging for your attention and sending this video stream your way come now to your attention what happens as local takes this information in as local is holding the communicator and looking at it there is even in his metallic body a sense of tension within it that is rising and as he watches the video and it gets to the very end there is a moment where he is so still that to anyone else, it would look almost like he was a statue. And then the communicator drops from his hand and he falls to the floor and almost tries to catch himself and rips a little piece of a desk apart as he falls down. And he just kind of looks at this 
broken piece of wood and then back at the communicator and for a long while is just silent and still. And as we see the piece of wood and we see the shaky final moments focused on Anatoly Favali's face before she closes her hand around Cleo's eyebrow piercing, we keep track of that moment and we shift to a different communicator. Lions, you've spent the evening at Hotkeys with Cheney. How was it that you came to finally view these messages? After the drum circle, Lions checked their communicator and saw a bunch of messages from Luke, but none from Cleo or Local. And there was also a message from Lions' sibling giants saying that they were out of peanut butter. So Lions actually went to the store and got the peanut butter and went back and was home eating out of one of the peanut butter tubs when they finally looked through Luke's messages. And so we find Lions sitting on the floor of their room under the bed, crying into the peanut butter tub, watching the video and not even eating the peanut butter anymore. Their mouth is just in the tub and they're frozen. Their eyes are fixed on the screen. Both of you in this moment of pain and transfiction find a new message popping up on your screens. This time from Ashun saying, team meeting ASAP. What do each of you do? Lions tries to raise their head, but they didn't realize that as they tried to watch the screen, they leaned closer and closer with their mouth still in the tub of peanut butter. And so when they try to raise their head, it's pulled back down because they weren't expecting to also have to raise a tub of peanut butter. And they kind of flop over and very frantically try and fight off the tub of peanut butter, which if they would just calmly think about it, they'd be able to get off just fine. But they can't because they're panicked and they're starting to cry and they know they need to go, but their friend is gone because they were a really bad friend. And eventually, Giants wakes up and helps Lions get the tub of peanut butter off. And though Giants wants to talk... Lyons explains that they have places to be for the arms, and Giants lets it be. Local sees this message pop up, and there's a moment where the message covers up the screen that he was looking at, and just the momentary point where it breaks this visual thing that he has been looking at, it snaps him out of the almost comatose state he was in and he finally realizes he has this chunk of wood and you can see him try to just put it back like he tries to fix it and it doesn't go and finally he just lets it drop and he picks up the communicator and replies to the message i'm on my way and then he sends off a quick message to arendi I need all the information we have about Anatoly and someone named Imena. Roger that. She responds quickly. So you find yourselves a short while later back at the base. Chaloon's truck is parked out front. The 
side door on the back of it sits wide open still. There are some signs of a commotion, but as you enter, you can't seem to find anyone. You walk into the lounge where, often, the three of you, Lions, Local, and Cleo, would meet and talk. The Flash Drive 3 poster and standee that Cleo had brought in to the room seems to haunt the space as you enter. No longer a jovial symbol of hope and a shared experience. Instead, a cruel mockery showing a jubilation and an elation that seems now incredibly distant. And, though it seems to take each of you passing through here individually an age to get through to the other side, eventually you pass and find yourselves at Ashun's office. Who arrives first? Lyons was probably first. So, Lyons, you enter Ashun's office, this laboratory space where the metallic sand of a computer shines this sickly blue-silver light through the space, workbenches with half-finished tinkerings on them, several cups of coffee left half-drunk, and, though you saw him earlier this evening, Ashun again looks the sunken figure he had a while before. The purpose and drive that were in his eyes when you met earlier seem to have sunken away. Lions. He wipes his eyes, seeming bleary, and motions toward a couple of the spun-out chairs in the room. Take a seat. I assume that you've heard the news. Lyons doesn't hop up on one of the chairs and instead sits defiantly next to them, as sit pretty as they can. We should wait for local. He'll be here soon. And they stick their head up a little bit more as if staring into the light is going to stop them from crying. Yes, of course, all, all things in their time. We'll just, he breathes in and sighs, fidgeting a moment. Take some time for ourselves. And several agonizing moments pass of lions staring into the light and of Ashun trying to find a comfortable position to sit in, something to occupy himself through the wait before local arrives. You can hear a local before he even gets to the door as these heavy footfalls come at a regular rhythm and seemingly much heavier than they would normally be. As local enters the room and looks around, he meets eyes with lions and even with his robotic facial features, there is still a sense of sorrow from within him. And as he looks down, he falls to his knees and embraces lions. Lions cries. They just break out into sobs and they put their left metal paw on Local's back. It's several moments before anything changes there. And eventually... With one more tight squeeze, Local pulls back, and as he looks Lions in the face one more time, he nods and then turns over to Ashun. I appreciate both of you coming on such short notice, but clearly the two of you have received the news. And 
there is much to be done based on the information that Cleo bravely fed to Luke in her last moments. Chaloon and Sasha are here, safe, processing and recuperating. But he pauses a moment, takes a deep breath in before placing his palms on his thighs and exhaling. It is perhaps more important before we jump into planning that action that we do right by Cleo, and I know that she would expect us to use what she sacrificed herself for. And though we've all worked together for a while, you both knew her better than I did. Local, I know she was one of your oldest companions, and Lion's a warm and stable face in a new city. He takes a moment to collect his thoughts attempting to start a sentence a couple of times, as if he's searching for the right combination of words to make this sound right. If not right, less awkward. If not less awkward, then maybe a little bit less painful. Since you both knew her well, I doubt that it ever came up. But, um, did you ever talk about how she might like her body? to be handled, or a funeral to be conducted. Leo said one time when we were at Fuzzy Bandits, Cleo said that she wanted to go into the sky with a raccoon. I don't know what that means anymore. Well, I'm not sure if we can do anything about the raccoon, but it is possible albeit difficult to arrange something that might look like a sky burial. Have you heard anything about how she might like for a funeral to be handled local? Anything in addition to what Lyons is shared? I know that upon her passing, she would like us to celebrate her life. She would like music and beverages. Understood. A celebration. E smiles, but to say the smile doesn't reach his eyes would be an understatement. The smile doesn't really even reach his lips. It's like a wave interrupted before it has the chance to reach the shore. This contorted twist of his lips, there's a disused launch pad in the district. We've sent someone already to collect her body and to prepare it. Sasha, as I'm sure you know, is well acquainted with the preparation of flight paths. She should be able to find an arc suitable for our friend. And we're going to bring everyone we can. And we're going to have a party. And raccoons! <laughs> Cleo loved raccoons! I'll see what I can do. I'll get some raccoons. I can never go to Fuzzy Bandits again! It's okay. It's not okay! My best friend is dead! You're right. It's not okay. But Lions, we're going to make it better. We're going to do something. But first, we're going to need to trespass on some property. Cleo loved trespassing! <laughs> and her stupid disguises! <laughs> She did. She also loved showing the cops what she was made of, and we're going to be making quite a racket. So there's a chance that we'll have the opportunity to 
do right by her like that. What say you we meet each other in 90 minutes at the launch pad? Lyons continues to sob, but nods. We will be there. I have one more question before you step away. Do you know if she had any next of kin? Lyons cries harder, if possible, and finally lays down on the floor and curls up in a dog ball and cries more. She spoke of a grandmother here. I'll get the word out to her. See you in 90. Yes. Are there any preparations that the two of you make before you arrive at the launch pad? Local will just pick up lions off of the floor and take them out with him. And it is a while in walking towards this launch pad before Local says anything or lions has the ability to say anything. Lions. Local. I am sorry. I should have been there. I am sorry. It's all because I left you. <laughs> if I hadn't been avoiding you, then then we would have been with Cleo, and then Cleo wouldn't have been alone. There is no way of knowing what may or may not have occurred. But I know what will happen next. When Cleo first met me, I had only barely awakened. And my feelings, my thoughts, were slow and numb. And I wish for that now. But all I can feel is sadness and rage. I just wanna cry and eat peanut butter forever and never have to come outside again. If you do, I cannot eat peanut butter with you, but I will sit with you and I will be there for you. Lions reaches up to put a paw around Local to hug him closer while he carries them. And they say in a lower voice, she was her best friend. She was one of the truest friends. This is difficult for me. And Local stares into the distance as he continues walking towards this launch pad. And before long, you find yourselves there. A chain-link fence with barbed wire surrounds it, as do several no-trespassing signs. Any lights that used to function in the area have been long abandoned. This is a place from a time when the vision for the Crags District was different. Before the realities of Ao, of Ka, of the degradation of bodies, and the slow decay of the district set in. But dancing deep in the field, at the center of the launch pad, a couple of pinpoints of light seem to be bobbing and dancing, red and blue and green, extending a weary invitation to you as you make your way across the tarmac. And in the shadow of the launch pad itself, this large, magnetically powered railway, which once launched aircraft higher to the levels of AO above, or even out to the 
crest of Ao to send people to the edges of the catalytic range. You find a low hum of music and three figures who have already arrived, attempting to dance, moving sluggishly and laboriously. Luke and Chaloon and Sasha, and a cooler full of drinks, and a lunchbox full of sandwiches, moving arrhythmically, sometimes stopping to heave against the beat of the music. What do you do? Nearing the group, local puts lions back down and keeps a hand on their head and then goes to a knee and holds their face and looks them in the eyes. You are stronger than you believe. You will be okay and we will make right by our friend. Local, I am a crying dumpster fire. <laughs> I'm not going to be okay. <laughs> But we're going to do right by Cleo. You got this. And they pat Local on the chest with their metal paw because Lions deeply believes in Local. They will then head over to the group. As Sasha is attempting to dance, there is also this wiry mist of metallic sand that leads from her back to a station at the base of the slingshot itself. You notice that secured tightly to the slingshot is a large metal box, which for now stands open with an urn. And next to the urn, there's a room in the box and there's a place for scraps of paper to be written on and for precious belongings to be placed inside alongside Cleo. Chaloon is the first to greet you, perhaps the least stricken by grief but still deeply affected. I'm glad you made it to the party. We're playing some of the hottest tracks of the summer. This is Elkman and Butt Piss. Can we talk about gunk, my boat, please? Oh my god. Have you seen the butt? This was one of her favorites. It was. There's also some drinks and sandwiches if you'd like. And reckon you can make sense of what you're supposed to do over the box. The urn itself, by the way, is a tan ceramic vessel with a smooth sheen on its exterior. Local will head over to the cooler and take a drink from uh, the selection and walk over towards the box. As he gets over there, he opens it up, the drink that is, not the box. It's already open. And he raises the drink and looks down. I do not know if you can hear me somewhere, Cleo, but know that you have been my closest friend, and I would not be who I am without you. Everything that I accomplish is because of your kindness. And he pours the drink out and places the empty bottle in the box. One last one for the road. And then he walks away. So now in the bottom of the box, next to the jacket that Cleo wore at the end, is this can and a couple of photos of Cleo and Luke and Sasha in their rambunctious youth. Lyons walks up to the urn and they look at the box and they scratch a few 
of their bright blue florets out and they lay them in the bottom with the pictures. The florets are different than the seed heads and are not flammable. So they're just some pretty blue flowers for their good friend. And then Lyons takes out a small bottle that looks kind of like an inkwell, but the ink is purple, which in Ostal is the neutral pigment. It's the one that Lyons uses because that was to signify that Lyons isn't in any of the gangs, and Cleo always liked purple, and so they feel that it is fitting. And so Lyons dips one of the metal claws into the inkwell and pulls out some purple ink that they use to write on the brown urn. It's in Ostali, and it reads hope and humor, because there is a word in Ostal that people use to say that something is lighthearted in that it is something you can laugh about, but also something that will give hope for the future. It's that word, because Lyons feels that second to cussing, that's probably what best defines Cleo. And as Lyon finishes this, they turn and find more people have arrived. Ashun is here, along with a couple of raccoons from Fuzzy Bandits. A couple of bowls of blueberries have been put on the ground where they can reach them. Wari is here, as are other members of the Arms of the Tide, including Ty and Isolde. And you find that Luke and Sasha have invited a couple friends who were buddies with Cleo. Vanui is here, and somehow, it seems, someone has invited Madigan, the Dov, who, at the bingo parlor, Cleo almost engaged in some strip gambling with. He is asking around, wondering how this could have happened to Duke. And as the raccoons scurry about, checking in with people, and the music continues to play, spirits begin to liven up. Stories about Cleo are exchanged from things you knew. When she defecated on Paolo's desk, her impeccable track record as a driver, some of the more bizarre cases she solved as a private detective, to some smaller stories that you didn't know. Luke and Sasha sharing about who Cleo was as a youth, someone who at times was scared, and at other times who was bold, who never forgot her sense of humor, and who always managed somehow to tie all sorts of different people together. Eventually, everyone has said their piece before the box and the urn, and it is closed, and everyone gathers before it, before it is time for the launch. Ashun steps forward and looks at everyone before liftoff. Did anyone want to say some words in front of us all? Everyone gathered here today who was impacted by Cleo to say something about what she meant to you or to the city. Lions steps up. They are so dehydrated. Someone needs to get this poor spark dandy some water. They're about to start a forest fire or a field fire. Can't quite tell. But they step up and face everyone. And it's then when... Lyons is staring at everyone, that they feel Cleo isn't really gone. It's cliche, and part of Lyons feels that 
It's childish. But sometimes that's how it is. No one is truly dead until there's no one that remembers them. And so Lyons sniffles a little bit and talks about funerals in Ostal, where your body is prepared and covered in spices and other seasoning. So that way you are more appetizing to the giant moths of the city because then you have returned to the circle of things and your body being eaten by the moths means that they're less likely to eat someone who's still alive. And it's one of the ways that Ostal managed to reduce the number of moth-related deaths considerably. The gangs are always talking about how much of an improvement it's been and that most people don't actually know that that's the origin of it, even in Ostal, because the way that they're taught about it in school is that you become part of the giant moths, which will one day decay and become part of the earth again, and how it's a circle, because then that decay feeds the vegetation that will feed new people, and how everyone is always around for forever for as long as they continue that tradition. But Cleo always said it was a load of hogwash. And I kind of think that that's true a little bit because the way that we do it in Ostal is that there's no crying in public and it has to be it has to be a party and Cleo didn't think that that was fair she was a very expressive person and she used to always say drink dedicate defecate preferably on someone's desk so in honor of Cleo, I'm probably going to shit on a cop's desk tonight somehow. And um, at the end of the day, we're all going to shit on Ka and burn them down. So to Cleo. Everyone raises their drinks and shouts, to Cleo. And Lyons returns to the crowd. Several more people get up and say things. And eventually local will stand and head up there. All of you have been touched by Cleo's life. She has made this city and this world better by being in it. And we must continue to make it better. She had kindness, and we must be kind. She had boldness, and we must be bold. And she had the dirtiest fucking mouth I've ever heard. And there's small laughter from the crowd. And so, for Cleo, for our friend, we must continue to be the best that she saw in us and the best that we saw in her. And Local walks down from the stage. At this point, Sasha indicates that it's time for liftoff. Everybody grabs a raccoon and holding them in the way that Cleo would, like a sort of child or a doll with playfulness and affection, but also a little bit of tenacity. The magnets attach themselves to the box, and they fling it toward the sky. And as it arcs up, these pockets of metallic filament inside of the box begin to burst, sending it higher and higher 
in different colors. Orange, and red, and blue, and purple, and green. With each new spark, each firework, the crowd chants. To Cleo. To Cleo. To Cleo. Until the box finds itself flung over the horizon, out of the maw and the abyss that is the city of Ao. Unlike other flights, it does not deploy a parachute. It does not prepare to fall straight down. It continues to sail out into the wilds to a landing place where no one can be sure it comes to rest. But if you know Cleo, when she gets there, things are going to get chaotic. And so too do things get chaotic at the landing pad as finally the Ka police force arrives. And crying, which had turned into dancing, which had turned into cheering, turns into brawling, just like Cleo would have wanted. Arms of the Tide is a proud member of the One Shot Podcast Network. For more wonderful shows from the network, check out Adventure. Adventure is an actual play podcast that focuses on the fun of fan fiction and is set in your favorite fictional universes. Join host Pranks Paul as he takes a variety of guests through self-contained stories featuring Harry Potter, Pokemon, Animorphs, and other favorites. 